0: Hello and welcome to Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. I am your host, Martha Reddick. And this week we are going to be talking about the first thousand days of food and what how we can help children uh, develop lifelong food, good food habits. Is that true, Angelina? Yes. Right on. Awesome. I brought Angelina Pizzian to talk about this. Hello, Angelina. Well, hello, Martha. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for being here. Angelina actually reached out via Instagram yes. to me, and I was so glad that she did. So let this be a lesson to all of my listeners that if you reach out, <laughs> I will most likely want to, at the very least, have a conversation with you. And maybe even have you on the show because this has been great. Yeah, I love learning. And so uh, I'm very excited that you're here to share what you know. Thank you very much for having me. Wonderful. Okay, let's start with talking about the mission of One to Thrive Kids. All right, so I am a former nanny and a former educator.
1: And I think one of the greatest benefits that I brought to my nanny families was a, a really deep appreciation for healthy eating in kids yeah. and healthy eating in families and it was something that having worked with multiple families in this way and having every um every family say that the thing that I do with their children with eating is something that I should consider doing more right that having a, Making healthy food for children and feeding them in a loving and respectful way really impacted these families' health overall. Yeah. So I look out in the world, and I am a um, a helper. Mm-hmm. I want to make things better. And when I look out into the world, I see a lot of problems that I can't solve. Right. But I look at my little sphere of influence and look at the fact that by helping families live a healthier life through nutritious food choices, but also through their relationship they build at the dining table, that in some small way, in my sphere of influence, that yes, I can actually help change the world. Right. One little family, one little mouth at a time. So the the mission of One, Two, Thrive is to change the world one tiny mouth,
0: one family at a time. Oh my gosh, I love that. Thank you, we do too. Yeah, and I love the idea of, because I, I feel like most nannies are helpers by nature. Definitely. Um, I, I think to go into this profession, you you need to have a part of you that wants to help. Yes. And I love that idea of taking, being a helper and looking at how you're specifically Adding to the world and following that thread and Absolutely. seeing where it takes I, you.
1: I just know too many people in just where we are right now in life. Mm-hmm. I have so many people who come to me with the opinion of or the attitude of, uh, everything is terrible. right? Or, and you know, so many things are not good. And I can't do anything. I'm stuck. There's something that you can do. And the caregivers in this world, you know, I've, I've having been a nanny myself, I have had people say to me, like, a nanny really right. <laughs> did you go to, didn't you go to school to be an engineer like right. you, you worked in finance why are you a nanny and I believe that the, the effect that we have on kids on this daily basis is truly life-altering for the people that we care for but also for the world in general we have a lot of power in that role to influence positively the children around us
0: yes yes I love that um Okay. So you talk about the importance of the first thousand days in a child's life. And in fact, we were chatting before we started recording and you were saying that you specifically love to nanny for those first thousand days.
1: Right. So when people mention the first thousand days, they scientifically or medically usually refer to from the point of conception through, you know, up until the point where a child hits uh, two years of age. Right. I used to call myself the thousand day nanny, but starting from about four months of age as an infant all the way up until the third birthday. So it's not exactly a thousand days, but in that time, so much happens developmentally with a child. And if you think about it, you know, if you look around uh, the animal kingdom and you look at other mammals, uh, a pretty large number of them, when they are born, when they give birth, that child is ready Mm -hmm. to run. Yeah, some of them know how to eat. They can, you know, they do all of these things self-sufficiently because they have to. Right. But human beings, we're we've developed in a way where our brain is so large that our babies need to be born so- sooner. So that it, you know, it said that humans are born early. Right. And so, literally, that time when we're helping infants grow into toddlers and toddlers grow into preschool aged children, really, that first thousand days, we are helping that child when their brain is the most receptive to learning patterns and systems and people and love and flavors and tastes. Their brain is uh, has more plasticity, which means it is more open to learning. It's more adaptive at that point than it will ever be at any other time in their life. And we as caregivers have the opportunity to literally mold. As if it were clay, mm-hmm. the brain of this child, and the reason why that's so important when it comes to nutrition is that if we, now this is referring back to the medical thousand days where mom, um, mom is eating well and you know through uh, breastfeeding she's eating well and then she feeds her child nutritious foods. If we do that well for the first thousand days, we can literally protect that child from. The uh, detriment of deficits mm-hmm. later on. So, if that child has a great first thousand days and then disaster strikes in their life, they are more apt to be able to live through that experience and adapt to it because they learned this when they were completely malleable.
0: Right, right. And we, you know, we know from science that things that happen in those first thousand days definitely influence you for the rest of your life. Correct. Um, I'm going back to school to become a family counselor in the fall, and already I know that, you know, through my own therapy, the things that happened to me in my first thousand days, are I'm still undoing those knots, you know? And so Angelina just gave me an air five. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so I. I – but I also, on the – the same hand I've, I've never thought about it with food yes. and so i love that you're bringing this to kind of the forefront and highlighting it because i yeah i've never thought about that
1: well as a so generally you know i, I initially started one Two thrive kids with the focus of working with nannies right and i found it that it, i found that it is uh, easier to work with parents mm-hmm. because if, as a nanny, you bring this to the table, and we can talk about that later. But if you bring these skills to the table, um, you know, you're essentially teaching the parents how to do this thing, but they can help you get the education in that regard because it's something that they want. They want their kids to have this experience. Right. So, getting, you know, having to go through the parents is an important step to either help that nanny get the resource to resources to get the education that she needs. Mm -hmm. But I the the basis of my coaching is that you will never have a better opportunity to parent a child than at the dinner table. Right. Because every single day when you feed them, it's not just the food that you're feeding them. Choosing healthy and nutritious foods are important for Mm -hmm. the process, but the way that we offer food, and this is what nannies do, uh, you, the, you as a nanny, might not necessarily pick out exactly the food that mom shops for mm-hmm. or dad shops for. I have luck, been lucky enough to take on that job and say, even if I don't go to the grocery store with the kids, hey, can you please have these things so that I can make them? Right, mom will get them for me. She, you know, I'll give her a list of those things to get. But the way that you offer foods that you make, and offering good, healthy food is only half of the. Uh, job of what we do with kids at, at dinner time. right it's offering the food and doing it in a way that is um, not aggressive right that the adults in the room are not taking any part of the job of eating away from kids mm-hmm. so you give them the opportunity to eat really good foods but you let them make the choices about if they're going to eat that thing and how much of it they're going to want to eat Right. So um, we can talk about the division of responsibility in feeding later. Yeah. But back to the thousand days, it is a critically important time. And as a nanny, being able to do that, it's such a privilege and honor to be empowered in this way to influence kids during that time.
0: Yeah, it is. Yes. And, and one that, um, I mean, even just sitting here thinking right now, one that we, I think, Think we often take for granted, or at least I do. Um, And so, yeah, yeah, we look at feeding kids as a little bit more of a chore Mm -hmm. when it is really
1: such an amazing time to connect and to to teach a child about food and feeding and about you know why we need to eat certain things. Right. Um, We can talk about strategies in a bit, but yeah, it's it's such an an important place to be at the head it doesn't matter where you're actually seated but at the head of that table guiding a meal and that includes snack times and that includes any time that you eat with your kids that you are providing them the beacon of where they might want to be when they're older yeah they're looking to you for that guidance of how do I eat what kinds of things do I eat and what are my table manners and so many things they learn from you at the
0: table yes for sure so what are some simple changes? And we'll get into maybe more like paradigm shifts later, but sure. some simple changes that a nanny can make to change meal times with kids. Great. So if mom or dad hasn't already implemented a, a
1: schedule, mm-hmm. I think offering food in a schedule is really important.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I heard you refer uh, to this topic when you had um, – Brooke Blazevich on mm-hmm. you guys are talking about scheduling food, right? So this is not only important for the child, but it's also really important for us to make sure that we're feeding and fueling our bodies throughout the day, especially during the taxing work of raising another human being. Right. Which, as a nanny, that's what <laughs> you're doing during the time that you're with them. So making sure your own body is fueled at that same time when your your nanny kids are be. Are getting fueled right. is really important. Um, we set schedules for babies. Mm-hmm. We know how many hours exactly it will be until they eat again, and we keep track of those things. When your child hits one, it's not less important for that child to be eating every two to three hours. Right. So scheduling that is really important, and I think it's it's a very a very easy way to think about food during the day. Right. Because if you know that it's happening at these hours, Mm -hmm. you're never really stuck for, oh, I didn't expect you to be hungry now. Right. And it also prevents, can I have a snack now? Can I have a snack? Can I eat that? Can I have a snack? Right. Which we know, you know, kids sometimes seem like little snack vampires. (laughs) All they want to do is snack. Yes, But they're really looking for guidance from us about the rules about food. Mm-hmm. And with since so many prepackaged snacks especially are just laden with sugar, salt, fat, you know, all of these things that are like, um, they set off all of the, the fireworks in our brains, right. right? We really love those things. Um, if we just kind of let the food day just happen as it may. Mm-hmm. We are so much easier, uh, so much more inclined to grab that package of food because right. it's convenient. Um, but when you have a schedule throughout the day, that's something that, you know, it really makes you think about food more often. And the other really large thing I would like people to think about is that every single meal that you have with a child, whether that is a sit down meal or it doesn't matter where your meal is, but, um, More
0: like a snack on the go.
1: But snacks too, that every single meal should be a little meal. Right. So that your snack times should not just be um, raisins. Right. Or just fruit. You know, a a much better uh, snack for a child is a half an apple with peanut butter and a glass of milk. Mm -hmm. Right. This is going to include some things that are going to help keep that child fuller for longer, right? right? So if you have, you know, dinner coming up in less than an hour, you want to make sure that they're getting something that's going to make them feel full for a short time, but quickly. Right. So at that point, giving them something that's a little bit sweeter is probably a good idea. Yeah. But for most of our meals, all of our meals, they should be something where they have a little bit of sugar. So like fruit has natural sugar, um, some starch. Mm -hmm. So you'd find starch in grains and um, essentially what we consider carbs, mm-hmm. um, protein, mm-hmm. and then fat. Right. And if you can get something of those macronutrients in every single one of your meals, that's going to help you be satisfied with that food until the next time.
0: Right. And just to reiterate that snacks count as meals mm. in the way that you're talking about them. I just, I didn't want to let that like go without saying it again. Absolutely. Because I don't think that, um, I mean, I certainly don't think of snacks as meals right. as of right now. Right. And so I, I just wanted to say it again. Perfect. So that I hear it again. Thank you. And that's,
1: <laughs> thank you for bringing that up because it's something that I just, that is the way that I live. Right. So it, I need those calories throughout the day and I need them to be of a certain type. Right. I If I don't do that, and this is a great tip for nannies, like you want to be I know everyone wants to be healthy too, Mm -hmm. um, nannies included, but if you don't feed yourself the right way throughout the day, when you get home, this is what your your evening looks like. You get home, it's been a long day, you're tired, um, you don't really want to cook anything right now, but you haven't had enough calories throughout the day. So right now your body wants either High sugar carbohydrates Mm -hmm. or simple carbs because you need the energy really quickly. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Or you want something that has a lot of fat in it because you know, your body knows that it has lots of calories. Mm -hmm. You may not understand that in your brain, but your body knows that the thing that has fat in it naturally has more calories in it than the thing that has carbohydrates in it. You know, ounce for ounce. Right. But... (laughs) Yeah, so you're going to go home and you're going to raid your cookie jar mm-hmm. and you're going to look for things like chips that might have a mouthfeel. If you feed yourself well throughout the day, there's a much lower chance of you coming home and binging on the things that you don't really want but your body thinks it needs.
0: Right, yeah. No that one wants to go to bed a with
1: a stomach full of carbs they're not going to use. Right. Because right? if you eat those rocket fuel foods, you mm-hmm. super uh, – high carbs in the evening, your body thinks you're about ready to jump out the door and do some activity.
0: (laughs) Right. And then you go lay down (laughs) and then you don't sleep as well. Right. And then you wake up tired and you start the day already on empty. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So another one of the other really important reasons to have snacks as meals and to have these meals set in a schedule is that if your child or nanny child is saying that they don't want to eat the meal.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: they may be saying that because they know that they'll say I don't want to eat that meal or I'm tired or I, my stomach hurts mm-hmm. and then you say, okay, you can leave the table and it might not be 10 minutes later and that child is back asking for either a new meal right. that they like. Um, so something without vegetables in exchange for you know the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Or the bowl of cereal. Mm -hmm. So, if you have them scheduled, when that child now starts to kind of pester you for snacks because they are hungry, they just didn't, they just know that they can take the easy route because if they say, Mm -hmm. I don't wanna eat this for whatever excuse it might be, they know that they'll get the thing that they want. So, the easy for them calories, Right. right? The easy for them meal. But when you have a schedule in place, it's so much easier for you to say, no. Right. You can eat again at snack time, which is at this time. Right. When you have no schedule, at some point you have to feed that child. Right. <laughs> and at that point, they really need the food. And so they're really going to be craving something that's not ideal for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we can help really modify this and help them listen to their bodies and help be exposed to other foods because we don't let them take the easy route of Here's a peanut butter sandwich. Right.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you for those snack times. Um, I know that having a schedule helps because then everyone's not playing. Right. You know, you're not saying, hey, come step away from all your friends having fun over here. And they know that's when there's going to be food. Right. And they know they're ready to expect it. But if a child says, I'm not hungry during a meal or a snack time, um, my impression is that you would say okay (laughs) right exactly yeah you don't have to eat and even if i offer you something that
1: you don't want to try you don't have to eat it great because it is not our job to make children eat yeah the minute that so so children only have power in one area right and that is what they put in their mouth Mm -hmm. and it is not our job even if we were their parents it is not their parent's job to put food into their mouth. That's the child's job. The right. child puts something in its mouth. And if you think about this in terms of yourself, if you think about somebody forcefully putting food into your mouth, I can imagine that, to me, that feels like a violation. Right. And it's just not our job. If, if we give children the opportunity to eat a varied diet, and we make it so those are the things that are available most of the time Mm -hmm. i will say that for the first thousand days all of the time right right but older kids obviously they you can have indulgences Mm -hmm. and you know make that a regular thing
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um but yeah it's it it, it, the basis of my coaching is really that that is that child's job Mm -hmm. and if you let them have the structure Of meal times, and you let them have that scheduling, and you consistently provide healthy foods in ways that taste good, Mm -hmm. then your child will eat real food. And I've seen, like I've, it's not just a theory. Like I've seen, (laughs) I've seen kids do this. I've helped children do this, and it seems hard in the beginning. Especially, uh, I said especially, (laughs) especially when you're trying to turn back behaviors. So obviously, there's an unlearning curve, right? Um, and that's always longer than it took to develop the habit. Unlearning it mm-hmm. is harder. Um, but when we do this early, it's they don't have to unlearn. they don't they <laughs> certainly don't have to unlearn that. and it's a it, it's it makes the long term way more easy. Yeah, I mean, it's not just it's a simple thing to do initially, but it isn't easy, right, but it makes meal times later so much easier because, your children and your nanny kids are not playing this game with you that they're trying to maneuver for the treats and things that they want. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said earlier, those kids want to grow up to be like you, mm-hmm. but they'll choose the sugar if you let them. Right. Right. And I'm not saying sugar's the devil,
0: Right. but our kids and us certainly get far too much of it. Right. Yes, for sure. Um, So I think let's move to the division of uh, mealtime responsibility. Wonderful. Yeah. So this is a concept
1: that is put out by the Satter Institute. Okay. So Ellen Satter is, Mm -hmm. uh, she was a family coach. Um, She has a big institute. And so she came up with this called the division of responsibility. And I can totally give another coach credit for it because I didn't develop this (laughs) But it is, it, it, when you hear it, it's very natural.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so the division, the division of responsibility in feeding mm-hmm. is, it kind of lays some ground rules for what we do at the table. Because so many caregivers, whether that be mom or a nanny, a babysitter, grandma and grandpa, we are so concerned about what gets into the child's mouth, right? right? Because we're told immediately when children start solids that oh they're going to be picky just wait till they're picky right right and so we worry initially from feeding we worry about what our kids are going to eat but the adult's responsibility in feeding your job in this feeding routine which you have to partake in every single day <laughs> is to provide the what of food so you decide what kinds of food get served mm-hmm. because you're you're a grown up and you know right your kids may want the peanut butter sandwich but that's he doesn't know about food right so it's not his job so you provide the what the where so where do we eat meals Mm -hmm. are we allowed to sit on the floor in the living room in front of the television and eat meals or do we sit at a table together Um, tonight will we have dinner in the park Mm -hmm. you as the adult you set the where of dinner too because your child doesn't know where the best place to eat is they don't know that when they get up and walk around with food in their mouth that that's a choking hazard right um and then the when Mm
0: -hmm.
1: adults in this feeding relationship set the schedule a child doesn't understand how their metabolism works they don't (laughs) understand that they need fuel and they don't understand that they need a certain type of fuel right so as the adult you set that also and the child's job is to decide whether or not they eat that food and how much of it if they do? So the, they're the how. Right, exactly. So they decide. If they decide that they don't want to eat, okay. If you step away from the table, then the meal is over. Or you step away from the picnic blanket at the park or the park bench or you know the thing at the side of the park that we all sit on and we watch <laughs> our nanny kids. Um, if you step away from this meal, it's over. right? And you can have food again in two hours at this time
0: mm-hmm.
1: and what that does is it's, it seems hard to do that initially but what that does is it, it, it provides that child with a, a boundary and structure around when they will get their energy right because right? we like to think that oh we just eat but it's when you come down to it these are the things that are literally fueling you through your day and helping you build new cells
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we need that at certain times yeah. So to make sure they regularly get it, and to provide healthy food, I would say for the first thousand days that healthy food is one hundred percent healthy food, and then for bigger kids, you want to make that eighty or ninety percent of the food that they get should be really good, whole food, right? A lot
0: of plants, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and just the you know the right amount of those things, right. Yes. I love that. And another thing that I heard you say in there that kind of clicked in my brain is this idea that we start labeling kids as picky. Before they even speak a lot of times. Yes. Um, And so, but they're picking that up that they are a picky Picky eater eater, exactly and so because I even you know I just taught theater camp for two weeks and a student said to me well I'm 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 a picky eater. I'm a very picky eater right and
1: (laughs) she would never have had that thought had someone not said that
0: right to her multiple times and now it's
1: part of her persona right so she now when she goes to the table she approaches all food with some skepticism because she's picky
0: right and so. she was talking about how she's overcoming this through cooking, which is great. Um, but it just, that clicked in my brain of of thinking about her and being like, oh, yeah, she started with this idea of I'm a picky eater. Right. And she's in high school, you know. But you should, <laughs> and
1: I think that's a really good thing to remind us that it's not only with food, mm-hmm. but it's all of the things that we say to kids. And this right. is why nannies are so important because... We have this window of opportunity with them. And I think we all have an influence no matter how old our nanny kids are. But when you start from younger kids, you are literally, your voice becomes their voice. Mm -hmm. The things that they believe about themselves are the things that you've told them about themselves. So the positive words that we can have to kids. And I'm not saying that, you know, Jimmy is an angel all of the time. You want to be honest with that child, but... Yeah, dealing with our own issues when we work with children specifically, and when we parent them especially, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're dealing with a lot of who we were at that age. Right. So it's it's also a good thing to remember to try to be kind to you at that age, or think about what when you come uh, when you meet a kid, whether that's the bratty kid in Target, when you <laughs> want to say, "Ugh," right, and mm-hmm. judge that mom and that poor kid, just like think of who you were at that age and maybe if you if that was you what would you be able to tell yourself right right and I'm sure that picky eater she could go back and do that exercise now she probably would have at some point she will realize that she didn't want to be a super picky eater right like someone I wish they didn't tell me that
0: right I completely agree. Yeah. And yeah, the the behaviors that get under our skin the most are because we see ourselves in them. Correct. So, just keeping that in mind. Right. I do that. Oh, uh, I hate that. <laughs> and even if we don't have that thought of I do that, right. it's, you know, so subconscious. So, what are your tips from transitioning from bottle to solids? So, the
1: best advice that I can give for that time is to be patient, Mm
0: -hmm. try again, Mm
1: -hmm. um, and be consistent. Right. So we, we want to keep, uh, when we initially introduce solids, and I, I'm willing to bet that if you're working with a child young enough that this is their first solids, especially if it's the first child in a family, Mm -hmm. that you won't be responsible for that very first meal. Right. Right. Because mom and dad are going to do this and it's going to be a picture opportunity. And, as a nanny, you have the opportunity, um, if you're comfortable in this realm, to to start talking to mom about that. If that's if that's what's happening, if if you're the baby that's in your care is about ready to start solids, this is something that you can now guide. If you have the right education, if you learn about this process, this is something that you can guide and truly help that family make better decisions for the health of their baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so initially when we offer solids, we're doing it in very small amounts, right. right? Less than a half a teaspoon. And we're, we're combining that with some breast milk or some formula, depending on the milk that they take. And we're just getting the process of like bringing a spoon to a mouth. Mm-hmm. And if that's, if you're not doing baby led weaning, mm-hmm. um, baby led weaning is essentially when you give infants, um, food right on their tray, and you allow them to select the food and to pick it up and put it in their mouth and to gnaw on it until they get what they need from it. Um, I am not against either of those, uh, you know, theories on raising babies with food, whether whether it's purees or whether it's baby-led weaning. Um, as a nanny, I understand the fear that comes along with baby led weaning because mm-hmm. there's always the fear of choking. Right. Um, I hope that the nannies that listen to this podcast are CPR certified. And if they haven't had that class in a while to please refresh themselves on it because
0: I just signed up because <laughs> mine expired this month. Perfect. So right. I've signed up again. Perfect. Because
1: yeah. there's no better thing to have in the back of your mind than the experience of even working with a doll. Right. when you actually have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the most frightening thing, but just having the experience of doing that physical thing will truly you know, propel you through that experience. And later on, you might think, how did I do that? But it, you'll have that experience in the back of your head, which is crucial. Yes. Um, so we slowly offer foods to babies, right? Initially, the babies will get a new food, supposedly every three to four days. We try a food. We want to make sure that that baby's not allergic to that food. Mm -hmm. So we offer it in small amounts. And then we offer it consistently for a couple of days. And then we watch. So every day when we feed a new food, we look for an initial reaction, which might be some red bumps around the lips, coughing, gagging, um, scratching. Mm -hmm. But we also watch later. So for the day after that, you want to look at diapers and making sure that there aren't any unusual rashes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't recommend starting with highly acidic foods to feed a baby because just simply the acid in going through their body can cause a rash. Right. Um, however, the misconception about feeding babies and feeding them early is that baby food should be bland. Mm. And also baby food should be sweet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if you go next time you're in, wherever you shop, please visit the baby aisle. If you have never bought baby food, this is a really good... Um, It's a really good thing to experience through your eyes now because when you're a mom Mm -hmm. or, you know, this is something that you have to do, your lens is, I think, filtered differently. So go through the aisle and just look. I mean, just the hormones alone of being a new mom. Right, exactly. (laughs) But then, you know, everything of wanting to do that the right way and not having the bandwidth to now learn about how to do that the right way. Mm But if you look at those foods, it's always, not always, most of the time with apple, with mango. And -hmm. even when they don't say it on the label, it'll say turkey dinner. And then you look on the back of it and one of the first ingredients is apple, pureed apple. Uh Because companies know that if you buy this food and the baby smiles when they eat it, chances are you're going to buy it again. Right. But there's nothing there's, there's no proof, no evidence, no science-based fact for why children need to start with uh, baby rice or rice cereal yeah, or bananas or anything that's sweet. Mm-hmm. So we have the ability in this early feeding stage to help broaden your child's palate. And when I say your child, I mean the child in your care, whether right. you are their mother or their nanny. Um, you have the opportunity to really expand their palate which will be with them forever Mm -hmm. you know there's a much higher uh incidence of adventurous eating in toddlerhood when children are exposed to a variety of flavors and a a variety of textures and even spices right i don't mean heat but aromatics
0: right please spice up that baby (laughs) i love that um spicy babies are the best yes i love it um why is it important to help foster this positive relationship with food for kids in your care? I mean, I know some of the basic reasons um and we've talked about some of them already, but fundamentally why is this important? How does this pay off later? So for from the from the perspective of the child,
1: mm-hmm. you know, developmentally, children who are fed in this way, so they're they're fed in a thoughtful way, not only to the nutrition that they're getting, but the way that things are serving it, uh, being served, um, the way dinner is offered or the meal is offered. Because a nanny, we may not be doing dinner, but um, every opportunity that you eat with them, you have this opportunity to set the stage for what they expect later on. Right. And when we teach kids to have a healthy relationship with food, then They don't use food emotionally later. If we specifically don't teach them to use food as an emotional crutch,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. you know, I I have definitely been an emotional eater in my life Mm -hmm. and I was well also, right. I mean, I think that's true for a lot of people, but how many, how many moms or caregivers when we were younger took that into account when we fed? Right. Right. As nannies, I know that one of the ways that we can get kids to do things that we want them to do is to reward with food. Right. And we also punish with food. Right. Well, because you didn't do this, then you can't have that cookie. Or if you do this, then you can have that cookie. So when we prioritize food to the point of being a prize Mm. or the thing that you win, which in some places might take over the feeling of acceptance.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, this
1: might look like love to a child when you make them feel good or tell them that they are good when you give them a cookie. Right. Well, your child can feel good when you give them a banana. Mm-hmm. What they're looking for is that validation from you. And, you know, I've worked in families where the children weren't getting the, enough of the validation that they needed from mom and dad. So they really look for that in other people And if we can provide them that stable source of validation that doesn't necessarily have to come from food, Mm -hmm. right? If we're not rewarding and we're not punishing with food, we're giving that child an opportunity to not look for that influence later in life in a place that may not be good for them, right? I've known way too many people who look for love in all the wrong places, just (laughs) like the song. And it's because we didn't get what we needed when we were little. Right. This good relationship with food really leads to more positive outcomes in so many ways because you you know being well fed and fed the right things you have a better opportunity to learn right you can learn better in school when you're fed mm-hmm. and fed well and your brain is getting the things that it needs to thrive so that means for example if if your child is not getting enough fat calories because they're eating too much sugar and sugar will definitely block the child's desire for another type of food right so if they're not getting the fat that they need during that time well then their brain doesn't work as well as it should be because it's not growing well enough and they may have problems in school right if your brain's not developing the right way then you may have social problems because those cognitive areas in your brain they're the areas that deal with relationships aren't fully formed or don't really know how to communicate so those problems lead to so many larger problems later on if even if we don't look at the physical aspects of the positive reaction to having good nutritious food fed in a loving and respectful way right there are so many other outcomes that are affected by this relationship again you will never have a better opportunity to influence the life of a child than every day when you sit with them with a meal Mm -hmm. and that's the most important part is you sit with them having that meal If you you eat as well. Absolutely. And hopefully, I know that you and Brooke talked about this in Mm -hmm. that podcast as well, but making sure that what you eat is a good option, that's something that you would actually aspire for them to eat, Mm -hmm. it's so critically important. So I'll give you a a great example of this. Um, A couple of years ago, like a year and a half, two years ago, I was working with a family, and I was also competing – Uh, training to compete in a bodybuilding competition Mm -hmm. and so I was eating a very specific way right and I was eating differently than my nanny kids because I was eating you know chicken breast and broccoli every day and you can't feed that to a kid every day right (laughs) but sure enough the little boy that I was working with he went from like uh broccoli and like throwing it off of his high chair to like ready to fight me for some of my my broccoli (laughs) like you're gonna give me some of that and I think that that's that was and this was so recent, but it was such an eye-opening experience for me to have this kid who truly, quote-unquote, hated broccoli, right? like wouldn't eat it, didn't want me to have it on his plate, to like not just eating it, but eating it raw and eating it all of the ways that I would cook it and really being interested in that thing because it was mine. Right. And he saw me eat it and he saw me mostly enjoy it. <laughs> when you have it every day, it's not the most enjoyable thing. right? But- what you eat in front of them is so important you are truly the guide you are providing a guide light for them to what they might be when they're older right and to show them that this is how you can eat mm-hmm. and i know that's it's hard for nannies who are often working in places where you know parents may not know how to feed their kids well and so you're working in an environment where there are a lot of you know, there are a lot more processed foods than maybe you want to be exposed to. Um, but I can definitely recommend that if that's the case, that you have a talk with the parents. Mm-hmm. If this is something that you would like to implement, um, so you, we were talking about the health, the, the benefits to the child of implementing this, but the benefit to the nanny is that if you decide to continue nannying, mm-hmm. um, and I know many people work, you know, through uh, whether they're nursing or education or another route, they may be nannying for a short while and plan on doing something else. But as a nanny, if you choose to be a career nanny, this aspect of that going into a job saying, I understand how to do this and I would like to take this off your plate. Mm-hmm. You have an opportunity to be such a more valuable person in that family's life because you're teaching them how to do something that I know they want to do. Right. If a family is reluctant to implement a change, it you know, toward a healthier lifestyle and that, you know, with food, then it's probably because mom or dad or both, they are reluctant because right. they know that they need to make a change.
0: And that's probably, yeah, fear-based. Absolutely, right. Of fear of failure or fear of admitting that they're not – Feeding their child in the healthiest way or or any of those things. At some point, like I have actually left a job because the
1: way that parents fed their child was so out of line with how I feel about feeding children that I could not put myself in that position. Right. I had a little, you know, a three-year-old girl and then a little boy who um, had, he was pre-diagnosed autism. Mm -hmm. Um, He did eventually get that diagnosis, but you know the i would be trying to make these you know forward steps with food and mom would come home with a big giant box of donuts right and it was so counterintuitive to me and i felt like it was just wrong mm-hmm. that i had to leave like I, I couldn't uh just make sure that in the feeding relationship that that their family style is something that you can get on board with and even if parents don't eat in the same way and even if they don't feed their children in the same way it is something that you can ask to do. I'd like to prepare right. lunches, snacks, and what, you know, so whatever meals that you have with them. Hey, I'd like to prepare this thing. Would you let me do that? Implement that, that way of eating anyway. Right, Do that anyway. Because even if it's not the thing that they experience with their parents, in a lot of cases, it's the experience that they'll have more because mm-hmm. they're with you with for, for more meals. Mm-hmm. Or even if it's not more, it's something that they will still remember. Right. And even if they don't eat that way with their parents, if they pull the whole, I'm not hungry, and 10 minutes later, I need this. I need a snack. With you, as long as you set the boundaries around this and can stick to saying, well, then this meal is over mm-hmm. and you can eat again in two hours at this time, and you stick to that, They will do this with you. Right. So for sure, just like anything. Exactly. Consistency is the name of the game in all of the things that we do. (laughs) It is consistency.
0: Yeah. And I also going back to this idea of um, having this schedule, I think that that takes away a lot of the emotional baggage with it Um, and you know, psychologically speaking, this idea that food is connected to the mother um, in our, you know, psyche, and this idea that they will consistently get food throughout the day yes. builds this trust, and I, I think, helps them with separation anxiety and absolutely, uh, and just you know, moving throughout their day if they're not worried about. When am I going to eat again? Yeah. When am I going to eat again? Or what am I going to eat again? Right. Then, then I think that that can have a big impact on what else they're able to accomplish in a day. And reducing anxiety, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's just really like kids
1: want structure. They really do. Children don't know how to tell time.
0: Mm -hmm. So they can't
1: look at the microwave even, you know, they don't have a watch, um, some of them can tell time, right? So if we're working with older kids, but a lot of littler kids don't know how to tell time. So knowing that you are going to tell them that this is food, Mm -hmm. even if they're doing something really interesting, you are going to interrupt them at 10 o'clock in the morning and say, hey, it's time for a snack. We need to take a break from this or we can do it in, I'm going to set a timer for 10 minutes so you can finish this activity. Right. But at 10 minutes, we either need to eat Or we're not eating again until lunchtime right right and i understand nannies are generally on the go working around that and making it so that it's something that is flexible for your schedule Mm -hmm. but that it also meets their need of getting food every you know between two and three hours two and a half hours around that time regardless of what you're doing we need to plan that out in the beginning of the day right if we're going to the zoo that day and we're going to be away from home base you need to know what you're bringing Mm -hmm. and you need to know that if you're in an activity or a class, you have to work a snack around there somewhere. And it right. has to be a meal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. Very. Um, okay. So we talked about if a nanny is listening to this and they're thinking, yes, but they're worried about how to get parents on board. But I was wondering if there was anything else along those lines of bringing it up with parents, um, what you've had personal success with of bringing it up and saying, um, let me take this off your plate. I think that's a great way to phrase it. Yes, And I, I think that most my experience
1: has been, and especially now, with coaching families, right. my experience is that families want this.
0: Mm-hmm. In
1: every non- nanny contract that I've signed, there has been an input for we'll make healthy meals. Right. So even if you're not working with a contract, know that this is something that parents are really looking for. And if your initial uh, motivation for doing that is knowing that, hey, this m- I could ask for a raise. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take all of this off of your plate. Mm-hmm. And if that is successful, I would like you to increase my salary. Right. Because feeding kids, go on Instagram, uh, <laughs> follow the hashtag #momprops. Half of them are, oh, Alexa, feed my kid. Right. Right. It's a, it's a chore. And I think because we don't, uh, we don't view it as the um, you know, this wonderful celebration of bonding and time together as it is. So we look at it as a job. Right, and moms look at that as a job. And if yeah. you're working in a family that has a working mom, then she really needs that support and needs that help. So unless your mama is, and I'm again a mom, going back to mom as the source of food, mm-hmm. it just I believe that it's still that way. I'm 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 so proud of all of the dads who are in the kitchen helping now. Right? Yeah, but until that becomes the norm, I'm still going to say mamas in the kitchen <laughs> because that's what I know. Right, my experience with families is generally mamas in the kitchen. Um. Still, all love to you, dads out there.
0: Yes, (laughs) and yes, and uh, yes, (laughs) and and uh, include the boys in the kitchen. Correct, please. Yes, which I talked about on um, the cooking with kids episode. Yes, so listen to that one if you want ideas about how to get kids. Involved in cooking. Another great episode. Yeah. Yes. And it, and it's it's really important with a lot of the things that we're saying and can start earlier than I think a lot of nannies think about. Yes. At being able to start. Definitely. Um, and that starts in the grocery store. Yeah. Bring a
1: toddler to the grocery store. And you have an amazing tool there for positive uh, reinforcement when you put a child in the basket Mm -hmm. and you know they don't want to be in there. Right. Right. They have to earn that right, though. Right. In that time where you have the opportunity, if they're littler, you you have them at almost your eye level and you can talk about food. Mm -hmm. Going to the grocery store... Just to go through the grocery store on a hot day mm-hmm. is an incredible activity for kids. Yeah. If or you, a cold day. Right. right hey exactly Chicago. Right. <laughs> what am I going to do with them today? I know. Let's go to Mariano's or wherever yeah. you shop for food. But yeah. walk down the aisles. Look at some, uh, you know, the back of the, the, the food labels. Right. If you have bigger kids, it's an amazing time to start really getting to them to think about what they're putting in their body and how they get that from, you know, what they need from food. How do they get that from food? Mm-hmm. What foods will give them that? And if that's not something that you know, I'm going to throw it out there and put a blanket statement on this, and I think it's a positive thing, that nannies, above all else, you're intelligent. Right. If you don't know this now, you can know this. There are resources to, to learn this information because one, you need it. Right. Two, your kids need it. It'll make you better at your job. Three, it'll make you a great parent someday. Four, it is a total resume booster. Right. that and I can do this thing for you, and your children are going to learn about food. They're going to they're going to be exposed to healthy food, and I'm going to essentially take a lot of this responsibility off of you. And I know nannies, a lot of nannies have so much work put on them already, Mm -hmm. Um, but you have had other, uh, you'll know which episodes to refer back to, to learn how to step to the table and advocate for yourself. Right. Because this is a skill that I'm telling you parents want, they need help with, they want help with, and if you can be that resource for them, um, if you're in a family where you are watching the first kids, Mm -hmm. the, the first child in a family you know you really come in as the expert mm-hmm. and this gives you so much power in that role not as like having power over anyone else right. but to be an advocate for yourself yeah and earn more money and really feel like you're being um compensated for this incredible job that you
0: do every day right if a nanny is listening to this and feeling overwhelmed or lost where are some good places to start obviously you can, you can definitely thrive you can definitely reach out to one to thrive kids um, Which I will definitely be posting links uh, throughout the week on thank Facebook, you. so check that out Great. for those links. You can follow us on Instagram and mm-hmm. on
1: Facebook. Um, we post a lot of things on Instagram. Um, you can also reach out to me through any of these uh, channels, and She's I am very good at communicating. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, yeah, I I didn't start this business to make money. Right. Um, I. That I mean, I have to be able yeah, to do that. right. <laughs> but if there are times where um, I love answering people's questions and it just as an aside, all of my first consultations are free. So if you yeah. just want to run some quick questions by me, um, and I can also help you to maybe pitch this idea to your family that you're working for so that they can actually hire us and get you some uh, some real learning into how to Im- implement a good schedule and cook really healthy food this thing these are things we can do completely virtually so um you know i can be a resource to help you have your essentially have your nanny family your employers pay for your master's (laughs) right yeah it's not a master's degree but it's really good information yes but there are so it's a master's worth degree right (laughs) it'll be you'll use it more than you will i won't say algebra because i used to be a math teacher so i I just can't say that um But yeah, there's trigonometry, right? Thank you, right? (laughs) Exactly, trigonometry. I won't say algebra, trigonometry for sure. Um, But yeah, what are some other resources? Um, I mean, YouTube is a great resource mm -hmm. for learning how to cook something, right? Right. I mean, there are literally hundreds of great resources online for making. I mean, recipes. There are thousands and thousands of resources online. Um, I can definitely post. To some of those resources that I like, on the top of my head right now, I have so many that I'm right. not yeah. going to dive down into all of them. Um, but in uh, by the time this airs, we will have something on One Two Thrive Kids. Great. Um, that's essentially the wonderful things a one year old can do. Yeah. And so that is what a one year old can do at the dinner table or at the at, at the meal table. Right. And what you can gain from this for even older children is understanding that if we feed them in a certain way, these are the things that you can expect from them, right? So even the most picky eater who's real fidgety at the table, um, when you read this, understand that even that kid can meet these expectations. And I say a one-year-old because we generally take children up from six months of age to one years old in our coaching mm-hmm. so that they, they go from weaning to sitting at the table with you, eating the same foods that you eat. Hint, hint. Your your <laughs> food needs to be good too, right? Because you're not going to put a plate of broccoli in front of a two year old and you French go and fries. Eat. And right, <laughs> exactly. Right. That's just never going to work. So if you want that from them, you have to do it too. Yeah. But please download this resource. It's you know it's something that you can learn from yourself or give to your employer um, as a guide as to hey, I'd really like for you know sarah to do this too or whatever you whoever you're working with
0: right and also keep in mind uh that when to thrive kids you can visit it often because you guys post a lot yeah so just keep going there thank because you because there'll be more resources and i would actually
1: love to hear what specific things you would like to learn about yeah. So uh, we will post uh, about Chronicles of Narnia. So please just look through our squares and look for the awesome yellow Chronicles of <laughs> Narnia logo. And please tell me the kinds of things that you really need to learn. Yeah, Things that you'd like to know about. Whether it's how to cook, what foods do we need, why do we need these things, Um I I'm I have challenges at the table with feeding. It feels like a food fight. Mm-hmm. If you have any of those concerns, I would love to know. And then, excuse me, and then I can post resources like that for you online. And then right. you can learn from those things too without even having to, you know, use a coach. Right. In a professional setting.
0: Right. But also keep in mind that free consultation because you Correct. can then basically get like one tailored pitch to your nanny family. Correct. Right. Uh, Tell which me which is you, great.
1: Come to me with questions. And whether it's that, how do I present this information?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, or specifically, what do I do to change this behavior? Right. Then, yeah, please let, let's make that happen. Yeah. Because it matters that much.
0: Right. I, I love that. Thank you. But yeah, if a nanny. Um, doesn't have a great personal relationship with food. What what can that nanny do to help improve their relationship, to then model better behavior, to help pick better foods for their kids, things like that? That is such an important question.
1: It's such a good question because when we eat, Mm -hmm. every time we eat, it's like throwing us back to our family dining table. Right. Which is why what we do with kids now is so important because Mm -hmm. they will have this memory of what it was like when they were eating and this awesome lady who wasn't mom, you know, I vaguely remember her or I really remember her regardless or if Or a they... guy. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Just,
0: I like to, I like to make it... And it's important. I yeah. appreciate you doing that because
1: yeah. I'm a little older now and it's just generally not... I know. Ha- it hasn't been in my mind, my frame for a long time. Yep. But it makes me happy that there are <laughs> Manny's. Um
0: But yeah, if, if there are uh, if a, person is struggling as a nanny to make healthy food choices yeah so a lot of that is
1: emotionally based it Mm -hmm. is it is rooted in our the way that we were fed the kinds of food we were fed and how we were fed it so if you feel like that's a struggle i'm going to highly recommend that you seek help for that thing whether that be simply looking on youtube on how to make a change yourself right um or you know the I don't want to make this seem like a pitch. The other arm of one-to-thrive kids is one-to-thrive. And we work with adults. Uh, my partner, Mark, works with adults to help them implement small changes that really lead to bigger life changes that are completely doable, um, that are not rushed, that are, you know, they're, they're real goals that you set. And his mantra in life and his business is that everybody can, meaning... Yeah. You can definitely do this. And please understand that in your role as nanny, you are so important in that child's life and such an influence in that child's life that they will want to model your behavior. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I've multiple times come across uh, a phrase that I use frequently that I don't necessarily like, but didn't realize it until they said it to me. Oh gosh, yes. Right? So it's not just what we say. But how we eat and what we eat, and you can really learn a lot from this experience for yourself when you understand how important that is for you. Because if you can look back and say, oh, yeah, this kid is going to want to eat like me. And if that makes you uncomfortable, then that is really something that should be addressed, not just for your job, but for yourself. Your health, uh, you know, really relies on this thing for you, too. Right. So...
0: Yeah, and I also think, um, just throwing it out there, that it's important to um, think about how we talk about food. Absolutely. Uh, One of the podcasts that I've been listening to called The Guilty Feminist was talking about um, how a lot of women particularly, but any gender, um... When they talk about food, they talk about what they're not eating at the moment. And so just thinking about that as we discuss food in front of children, um, I have been gluten-free recently because I find that it makes me feel better. Um, But a child that I nanny for was talking to me about that and remembered that I was gluten-free and had picked out something gluten-free for me, which was very sweet. Um, But just... Thinking through that about how much she absorbed. Correct. That I was gluten-free. Absolutely. You know? Because now you have to have a conversation with her about it. Right. You you absolutely have
1: to define that for her and tell her why that you do that
0: yeah because which we did in that perfect. moment um, Excellent. have that conversation of like gluten makes me feel sluggish and tired and like I want to take a nap right after I eat it great and so it's not a food that makes my body feel energized and in that moment something that you can
1: do for her mm-hmm. is to encourage her now to journal about how she feels when she eats right because if she's at that age where you know one she one she can read gluten-free on a package right. and she knows yeah. right and it's something that she can wrap her head around really getting her to identify her own body sensations when it comes to food am I really hungry was I really hungry when I ate that I ate um a whole bag of jelly beans how did that make me feel I ate a banana how did that make me feel you know, the the different types of food, you might help that child realize that they do have a sensitivity early in life. But I'd really like to stress that regardless of what way you are eating, that we please expose non-sensitive children to the things that you might be sensitive to. Yes. So I've seen it in families where um, there is a sensitivity, one that might not have been tested or diagnosed. Mm-hmm. and. You know whether it's a keto lifestyle or um, a gluten-free lifestyle or some kind of diet, paleo, vegetarian, vegetarian, vegan, vegan, especially vegan. If you decide to be vegan with your children, or you are vegan and your nanny kids are not, um, less of a problem if they're not your kids. Right. But if you see parents raising kids in a vegan way, please encourage them to see a nutritionist to make sure that their child is not deficient, because it's really hard to to do that effectively, especially with children, because they just need so much more. Um, But
0: but yeah, yeah, if
1: you're living in a way... Please expose your children to that, because especially very young children need to be exposed to allergens, Mm -hmm. and that is not a nanny's job to um, take that responsibility on initially. It should be a conversation that you have with the family of, hey, um, I know... I've read, uh, you know, the latest research says that exposing children to allergens early, as early as the first month of exposure to food, mm-hmm. is really important to help them develop antibodies to those allergens. Um, but even more so, not more so, it, this wanes <laughs> as children get older, but please expose them to the foods that you don't think that you can have or are not good for you Right. as long as they're still good foods. right? Because children need you know, they need different types of foods than we do. And, um, one, you might help them develop, you know, understand that they do have a sensitivity. You'll definitely help them understand more about food and how that works in your body. It's not just something I have to do, but Hey, this actually really affects me. Yeah. If I don't eat breakfast in the morning, uh, oh, it was, I was so moody at school. <laughs> you know, I had no energy or I ate this really filling breakfast in the morning. And I felt great, and recess was amazing, and <laughs> I felt like I learned something. Yeah. So you have that power as a caregiver, and it's, you know, ride that power. Like, use it for good.
0: Right. And even I have a very severe Trina allergy, and so I consistently have to have the conversation with kids of, I can't feed you that or you can't have that while I'm here right. because it's I could be sick. severe. Right, yeah, yes. it could make me very sick. Um, but I always add to that that, Tree nuts are so good for you, if they're not, if you're not if they're highly not trying allergic, to kill you. yeah. <laughs> if they can't kill you, then they're very, very good for you. Yeah. And so, you know, encouraging them that that food is a very good food. I just can't serve it to you. Right. And if it's something that you're disappointed that you can't have, mm-hmm. then share that with them too. Like I right. really
1: wish that I could have those things. And if yeah. I didn't have this reaction, I would. Right. Not just because they're good for my body, but I really like the way they taste. Right. Um. Yeah, and on the flip side of that, please don't ever tell kids either before they try something, you won't like that. Oh, yeah. Don't do that because now they think that something's up right and if they do like it then it's confusing right or if and if you get them to try that after you say that congratulations right you're probably working with a an oppositional or defiant child because (laughs) you're not gonna like that really watch
0: watch me exactly right i will love this cauliflower right (laughs) awesome for you yeah (laughs) wink wink yep even today uh one of my kiddos was eating pizza and i had cauliflower and uh and other things but the cauliflower caught his attention because they usually bake their cauliflower and mine was raw Mm. and he was like what is that i was like cauliflower would you like a piece (laughs) that's not what cauliflower looks like yeah and he ate some even like his pizza wasn't even done i was just i was very surprised by it and look for those opportunities because
1: if you guide them you will have so many more of those right yeah. Regardless of how hard you think it will be to get a child to eat in a healthy way. I, I can practically promise you that as long as you're not working, as long as you're working with a typical child. Um, and I, you know, I can't say that the stats are exactly the same for children who may have sensory processing disorders or texture disorders, um, texture sensitivities. Right. Um, but if you put this work in and you are consistent and you are loving and respectful in your feeding, that you will have this change. And if you are listening to this and you decide to do something with that information and something surprises you, please let me know because I live on those stories. I live, one of my favorite stories with parents is hearing a parent who doesn't eat a food and they're very surprised when I ask them to introduce it to their children because they're like, ew, <laughs> this, ew, broccoli, i gonna make that for my kid. Right. But then, like, a month later, they're like, so we're eating broccoli. (laughs) Like, thanks, right? Right? Like, they've decided that, wait a minute, he really enjoys that. I'm going to try it. Oh, wait, it's not the monster I thought it was when I was little or, you know, whatever thing that we've built up in our head about why we don't like this one food. We can learn from our kids, too. It's an amazing thing to learn from them and be like,
0: oh, it's really not so bad. Yeah. Oh, I think that's a beautiful place to start wrapping up. Thank so you. if uh, someone is listening and they want to contact you, how do they do that?
1: You can do that through 12thrivekids, uh, 12thrive.com directly. So you can mm-hmm. reach me there. Um, you can reach me at my email at angelina at 12thrive.com. Uh, you can reach me by phone, which I think you'll post mm-hmm. instead of just saying it here. Right. Um Follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. I'm available through those, those channels to answer questions for you, uh, to hear your feedback, and to help plan more of my coaching around the things that you need. Um, and I would love to be a resource for you, in even if you're passively taking in the information that we put out or actively participating in that, I would love to hear from you and know how I can help you better.
0: Wonderful. And if you're listening to this and you're driving and you're like, oh no, but I can't write it down and I can't remember because I have a lot of stuff on my brain, if you email Nania at gmail.com, I will get you the information. I'll put you in touch. Don't worry. Perfect. We got you. We got you. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, we end each episode with a fun or inspirational or cute story. And Angelina has brought one. I
1: have. So I think the most fun and inspirational story that I have from working with children in this way um, was a story that I got from some parents a couple of years ago. And they they were so proud. I knew they wanted to tell me something that they were proud of that their kids did. And they told me that they brought their children, twins, to an Ethiopian restaurant. And this is when the twins were maybe between two and a half and three so they brought them to an Ethiopian restaurant and they ordered all of the foods that they like and they even ordered some foods that were spicy they ordered a variety of things with different spices and it wasn't too long before the waiters in the restaurant were looking at them and coming over to the table to see if they were okay and then the owner came out of the kitchen and said who are these kids what like little white kids and right. they were little white kids <laughs> they don't eat at our restaurant like they're dipping in the sauces how did you do this right and thankfully they were you know they were saying our nanny she you know she really introduced them to a lot of different things but those kids are set for trying new things in life trying new foods and you know they're gonna have a pretty good outcome and I can yeah. say knowing that their vocabulary was so robust, I'm going to try and take credit for some of that because they got all of the good food. So,
0: <laughs> And I think you should take a lot of credit yes. for it. Um, that is wonderful and heartwarming. And yes, let's get kids out there just trying things. And nannies too. And nannies too. Come on, mamas, you got this. Yeah. You have to just eat all the good food too. Yes. I love it. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Chronicles of Nannia is produced and hosted by Martha Reddick. Artwork by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nannia and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnannia at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Show has been brought to you by Machine Culture.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus.